Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real-life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, and welcome to the show. Thanks for joining today. Got some great guests for you. Talk and shop, real estate, multifamily, Central Florida, and... Um, had a great conversation with two of the partners, Mike Jacobson and Harlan Miriam. Uh, Harlan's a pastor for many decades, and Mike was an aerospace engineer. And we talk a lot about a 128-unit project that they did in Florida that they got into right before COVID, so like January 2020, and talk through the challenges of, of getting through COVID. And then all the way to their exit, going full cycle on that deal, uh, just last year. So a couple of years in the project and uh, all the lessons learned. And so, so many things that, uh, that we've seen in our company and many other operators have seen, but dealing with property management, some of the nuances of raising capital, uh, getting through a project, working with lenders, some of the, the lender terms to watch out for. So really kind of spent a lot of the podcast getting into the details of that particular deal, but also some of the other things that they're into. They've done mobile homes. We talk a lot about partnerships and how they've structured their stuff, deals they're looking for, how they've built their team, managing stuff in another market. Um, so just a, just a lot to get into. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. They're with Attune Investments, and that's linked in the, the description here. So um, we'll have a word from our sponsor and then get into the episode with Harlan and Mike. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. DJE has been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode's also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com, a complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Harlan and Mike, it's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Thanks for joining, gentlemen. Um, good to see you. Today? Yeah, good to see you. Yeah. Good. Going well. We're down in Florida. Mike's not actually in the boat, are you, Mike? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's a good looking view right there. I'll tell you. One of my favorites. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Is that one of your photos of the boat, or is that uh, just a bet? That, that's one I took uh, when uh, my mom was like 79 years old. We were at St. John's, and we went on a cat and we were able to do some snorkeling. So taking my mom snorkeling at that age was a blast. Oh it's, yeah, it's nice to be able to do that. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a gift. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, we're all uh, real estate guys. And so I want to talk shop on some multifamily stuff. Uh, but how about some, some background first for the for the audience here on, um, you know, what what you guys have done kind of before the real estate journey. And I'm always curious to hear how people got turned on to real estate and, and actually jumped in and, and did some deals. So we'd love to love to hear some some background on you guys. Mike, go for it. Okay. Well, I started off, I was an aerospace engineer and retired from that, uh, able to retire a little bit early and I loved airplanes. So, but my dad had kind of triggered the interest in real estate years ago. So when I was going to college, 
I was helping him. He was a builder and a broker at that time, and he was building duplexes. So I would end up helping him with the construction. And I was kind of the gopher around there, but I also got my real estate license and I'd be showing properties, handling the leasing. And so I understood then that real estate was a good path to wealth, but I didn't actually put my money into it until about 2006, which wasn't a great time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. We've, we've, made, we've made some mistakes, but we have come a long way from there. And since that time, we've bought, you know, we're buy and hold investors. We, inv we invested in some other multifamily like mobile home parks before going into apartments. And, you know, so it, it kind of built up from there. You know, and, you know, also getting involved with you know, local real investors real estate investment organizations, the local RIAs was a oh. huge part in getting involved as a volunteer and helping out. And that's really one of the things that kind of spurred on uh, the growth of our business. And Mike, you were president of the Georgia Rio? That's correct. Mm -hmm. yes. I uh, did that for a few years. Mm -hmm. So met, met some very interesting people during that process as well. So it's always nice having conversations with the national speakers before or after the meetings. You know, you just glean some insights and most of them, so many of them are like, regular people, easy to talk to. And that was one of the things that was inspiring for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Sometimes you just have to meet somebody that's doing the thing you want to do and just realize they're a regular person. There's kind of almost this osmosis thing that happens by just, I know that happened for me early on just saying, Oh, so-and-so has done that. Well, not, nothing against them. They're nothing special. Just a regular person. Maybe, maybe I got a shot at this thing. So I, yeah, I can't agree enough that you got to surround yourself with people that are doing that. That's right. And they help you realize it's possible. Yeah, that's right. It's mm -hmm. interesting too, that, you know, you kind of planted the seed with your, with your father. How old were you when you were working with him? Was this like early twenties when you were doing that? It was, I just gotten out of the Navy. So three years in the Navy. And so I was like 21 years old when I got my real estate license. Yeah. Oh. Yes, yeah, I've seen a lot. It kind of takes that uh, seed a little while to, to take hold, but it's important to kind of get exposed to it early. So that's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's interesting. Well, thank you, Mike Harlan. How about how about your uh, journey? I know quite a bit different there, but look, yes, yeah. Mike's the in, Mike's the engineer in our partnership. I I'm actually an, an ordained minister, a pastor, a army chaplain for 32 years, um, and early on. Uh, really following my grandfather and my father. They were both professionals. My grandfather was a doctor. My dad was a college professor. Sure. But they did real estate in addition to their profession. And I saw that, witnessed that, learned from that, listened into that uh, as I was going through. We bought a mobile home park in Tampa, my sisters and I, when my grandmother died and used the estate to do that. We doubled it in size and did very well with that and eventually sold it. Um, and I went relatively dormant as I was very active as a pastor for a, a number of years, um, picked back up, really following up again on that kind of genetics, I guess. Right. When I kind of eased off of my work, uh, nine to five type work, uh, retired somebody call it, I call it repurposing. Sure and uh, started building a portfolio of uh, investment properties. And then Mike and I met up together and with some others and started looking at multifamily and worked on it and 
did analysis of a hundred and some units uh, uh, properties until we finally realized we need some more help and um, partnered up with another and and found uh, 128 units about four years ago, a little over that now. Yeah, I love it. I love it. There's so much in there that's that's valuable for people. But let's dive into that deal, the 128 mm -hmm. units. And I think you guys had mentioned beforehand that you recently went full cycle on it, which is a big, big accomplishment. You know, every pro forma and deck I've seen is always up into the right and looks good. So <laughs> <laughs> it's quite another thing to stick the landing. And um, that's a real difference between sponsors is, you know, have you have you gone full cycle or not? And it's a little more seasoned sponsor that's gone full cycle. So if you guys don't mind, I'd love to hear the story of that deal, how you found it, what the capital stack looked like, business plan, COVID battles, the whole the whole um, nine yards there. Yeah, this was 2019, Mike, wasn't it? When we partnered up with Mike Bocanegra. Um, yes. He had a, a bit more experience than we did and was already in the Tallahassee market with other properties. And yet he had not syndicated yet. And we had learned how to do syndications and at least in on books, in the book, and uh, had, had some good contacts with that. So we partnered up with Mike and started looking, uh, found some deals. Some of them didn't come through. And eventually this 128 unit um, was available, got it under contract. Was this, uh, was this a marketed deal out there? One of the big brokerages had it or how did it come? Yeah, it was a broker that Mike had worked with on some of his other properties there. And, and in multifamily, the brokers play a big part. It's nice when you can get it yourself, but brokers play a big part in, in finding deals for us. They're, they're constantly working that. Yeah, of course. And so there's a the relationship there. Sometimes when on, on the entry into larger multifamily, credibility is an issue, right? So your partner had some relationship and credibility with that broker already? Yeah, they, they knew he would close. And that, that played a big part in getting it under contract, I think, versus if just Mike and I had done it first time out. Yep. Yeah, and that, that takes us back to one of the first questions we had to ask ourselves was we knew that the two of us would have a hard time getting into something that size by ourselves. Yeah. And we said, do we want to get a coach or do we want to partner with someone who has done this before? Right. And so we ended up talking to a couple people, a few different people and decided that we wanted to go along with someone who has actually done this before because they would be more involved. We thought they'd be more involved throughout the entire process, not just finding the property. Sure. Yeah. And, and he's an equity partner, assume, uh, ostensibly, right? I mean, right. he's a partner on the deal. So very, very much. Uh, one of the, I, I guess one of the keys for us is what did we bring to that? And we could bring probably a million dollars in capital raised. Sure. And then just understanding investor uh, knowing how to work with investors uh, that he had not really developed much yet. And we could do that relationship with investors piece that, and, and that really played out well for us, I think, Mike. Yeah. yeah. Then we also brought net worth to the table because right. when acquiring a multifamily property of that size, the lender likes to see you having a net worth in excess of the loan amount. Right. Yeah, I remember my first, I did some partner deals and then my first kind of one out there as the primary sponsor was a 
was a four and a half million dollar loan. And, you know, there's a gentleman I've met out of Boston. I'm at San Antonio. So we're about as far as part as, as you can get. And he raised some money and I raised some money. We combined our net worths and, and, uh, and got it done. And, and that's kind of how you, how you play this game, especially on your early deals. Yeah. One of the things, Devin, that we learned early on, I mean, we're, we're, we're now still processing lessons learned from that full oh, cycle. Yeah. The first one was raise the money before you get under contract. <laughs> yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. Because it's such a, it's such a tight time frame to raise a couple million bucks or whatever it is. And, you know, we don't want to cry wolf. You know, you don't want to be telling your investors all this. Oh, we got another thing. Send in your money. Oh, I fell out of contract. So it's a it's a delicate balancing act. But you need, you need yes. seven figures in a matter of weeks sometimes, and that's uh, that's tricky. It is it is tricky, and uh, yeah, at least to get those soft commits, build those relationships out, right. uh, have people ready, um, so that when it when it does hit, you you can move along. I mean, we were into the last week with people pulling out that we thought we're in and yeah, it gets scary. Uh, it does. Your earnest money's hard by that point. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, I've made, you've made lawyers. You've, you've done, yeah. You've put a lot of time in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, it's so funny. This is see this play out so many times. People get pretty confident about raising capital. Oh, I could raise a million bucks. And it's like raising a million bucks is hard. I mean, you really, it, well, maybe it's not hard. You really need to do a lot of work though, over a long period of time. Um, yes. And, and, you know, people just, all of us, myself included, have these over inflated expectations because a buddy here said, yeah, I'm in for 50. I mean, until the wire shows up and docs are signed. That's right. Zero dollars, <laughs> you know, yeah. zero. And so you got to build enough of a, enough relationships to overcome that. But I, th I think it's all often more than people initially think, right? Yes. In fact, we're right now building back back up to get ready for our next one yeah here ahead of time so that 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 lesson uh gets gets played out i mean multifamily is a relationship game it's it is it's the brokers and and your attorneys and your accountant and your property managers and everybody along the way including your investors and the residents of the apartment it's relationships are important Right. Yeah. There's a lot of players involved if you count residents and all your, all your auxiliary team. So this deal, um, got into it, you know, what was the, would love to hear kind of the capital stack, what you guys did for debt and was the equity just, um, kind of just one chunk of class of, of equity shares for the investors or did you guys get fancy with, with different share classes or how, how'd you put the, the funding together, I guess. Uh, that was uh, start with a it was a Fannie Mae loan with uh, it was a twelve year term, yep. and then so we raised most of the loan. I think was seventy percent. Yes, and and then it also came with another five hundred thousand that we could use for capital improvements. Love it, and so we had to put about twenty. Uh, twenty percent down. What else? Plus, say, plus, so was that, yeah. I think it was actually eighty percent loan. Okay. LTV. Yeah, yeah so nice. That was you know, with twelve-year term to let us that would let us write out, you know, any economic conditions. And we then, wanted that long balloon in there. 
because uh, right. we didn't know it was coming. And then we actually didn't know it was coming. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, this is right before COVID. Did you, and it was at fixed rate? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So pretty good loan product, maybe yeah. a high prepayment penalty, but otherwise good yes. solid terms, right? Yeah. The prepayment penalty we'll talk in a bit here. Yeah. Made it difficult at the back end of this thing. They uh, tend to. Yeah. They rip your eyeballs out getting out of the pool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> we, we kept it. We kept it simple. Every We had class A and class B. And so the class yeah. A were the 17 investors that put the money up, including us. And then we were the class B uh, as the managing partners on it. And that's how we put it together. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Nice and simple and yeah. nice, nice. Uh, I like the leverage on the loan. I mean, you know, they won't let you get too crazy with it, but Five, six percent money is a lot better than 15, 20 percent money that you're trying to get investors, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you guys got it all done. Yeah, you know, you overcame capital raising. Obviously, found enough capital to get it closed. Um, third party property management. I, I would, I would venture to guess. We actually, Mike was self managing his other units there, and so okay. he was the property management company and the the managing partner with us. That's kind of nice. That's something I think we've learned. It 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 can work and it can not work. So yeah, it's just hard. Any way you cut it, multifamily property management is just hard. It's yes. margin, very people intense. There's no right or wrong third party versus in-house. It's just hard no matter how you slice it. But yeah. it's also one of the primary keys to your cash flow and to your property valuation when it's time to sell. That's right. Yeah, you got to capitalize. Got to have it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. so, so he, you, men you mentioned the word there. It's not really a four-letter word, but it 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 came became that for us. COVID when it hit in March, right? Three months after we bought this. Oh man, yeah, that was scary. Oh yeah, that, scary time. I mean, the responsibility we had for our for our staff, right? For our residents, uh, we were worried about ourselves, our investors. Who knew it was scary? And there then, was. yeah. yeah and then when residents got the ability not to pay their rent and not go to court, it made it even scarier. So what is tenant landlord law like in Florida where you guys are operating? Normally it's very good. Isn't it, Mike, just that one period yes. in there. Uh, yeah. When were the, they getting any relief from the county or the or the state or anything? I know we had a lot of county checks coming in. Yeah, eventually, but they didn't they didn't manage it well. It was done by county, uh, yeah. given to the state from the federal government, and uh, the county didn't do real well. They were writing checks to the to the residents, and they were not writing checks to us. And who'd have, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> <laughs> So, so as another lesson we learned, Devin, in that, I mean, we thought a half a million dollars was plenty of uh, operating capital to be have there for operating for for sure. the improvements that we had we had built in. Sure, renovating the apartments. This was, uh, you know, a, a growth uh, piece here. Right. And yet, when you start having residents not pay, and you know, the real vacancy rate, <laughs> you know, go go high on you it it's uh having enough capital is a really important piece to keep multifamily operating it sure is and it's it's a balancing act because you know if we could raise an extra three million bucks on every deal and just have it sit in a money market account sleep better at night but there's there's no way you're going to hit your returns on that excess capital so yeah. 
you know, you're in this situation where you need to raise the absolute minimum uh, because you're telling investors you're going to get 15 or 20% on the money. Right. And every dollar, it's like credit card debt. Um, so you can't, you know, can't overraise, but you can't be, can't be short on capital either. You know, it's, it's what we found over the years is just, I want to be ready to um, inject some capital into the deal at a reasonable interest rate mm -hmm. when needed, if needed, you know, yeah. so we, so that we try kind of raise the minimum. And I know if we're 24 months down the line, it needs 300 grand to get over the hump on a draw or something or a new project. We, I wasn't sitting on that 300 of equity those two years with the clock ticking. So now it is burdening the deal a little bit with, with a loan that's got to be paid back at exit, but that loan wasn't introduced till much later. The rate's much lower than what the equities pay. You know, you just got to have kind of that access to capital, but it's, um, it's tricky. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, running out of capital for any business is just. Yeah, that, I think your key point there is access to capital. Cause it, again, it is, we've talked several things. This is a balancing act always in these always. lots of different elements of that. Um, you know, eventually we were able to get uh, an emergency loan when the federal government was providing those at a very yeah. nice interest rate. But again, yeah. you borrowed another half a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, hey, they had to do something. If you shut the whole world down, they had to do something. Yeah. So mm -hmm. um, definitely, I mean, trial by fire, getting getting into this thing. Obviously, you guys came through it. And, and there was, you know, so much capital getting pumped in the system mid-year 2020. What uh, what did you guys end up doing with property management? Did you end up staying kind of in-house with a partner? Or did you guys end up transitioning to to third party at some point? We stayed in-house. You know, it's kind of interesting. It's like within two weeks after we purchased the property, the, the property manager decided to quit. So oh, yeah. we already had to hire a new person right off the bat. And, you know, so we had some other turnover between there and maintenance staff. So that was going on over time, but we ended up, uh, there was some personnel changes within the managing partners, uh, property management company, you know, so he did have some turnover over time, but we ended up sticking with them as long as we had the property. Yeah. And what was the hold cycle? It was like two and a half years or what? It was just under four. four. Yeah, just okay. under four. Yeah. yeah. And and I know I'm bouncing around here, but you guys exited kind of mid-2023, right? That was a tough year for real estate. Yeah. With rates. How did you guys engineer an exit? And and um, would love to hear kind of your thought process behind that, how that went. Well, we, we were, you know, regularly every half a year or so, just looking at where it was, where we brought it. Yeah. On our plan, we actually achieved our five-year goal by the end of year two um, on, on the property. Great. With all of that going on. Sure. And so we started looking at what could we get for this? And we got some brokers quoting us some pretty, pretty nice dollar figures that we might be able to get uh, somebody to pay. That was the two years in you started kind of two, about two years in Mike. Uh, yeah. 2020. Yeah, two, two and a half. Yeah. It was before the interest rates started going up. That's where we really started seeing the peak in the prices. Sure. It's like, well, hey, why do we want to renovate the rest of the units if we can go ahead and sell now, get our investors, their investment, and our anticipated profits? I mean, this this was our best scenario yep. as far as the time to sell. So we start proceeding yep. toward getting it listed with a broker and 
and getting some feedback on, you know, what it would take to have it ready to sell, what were going to be the most important things we needed to do. And we we did that. And then and then when we did the calculation, this prepayment penalty yes. was a little over two million dollars at that point. With um, the rate loan amount? The rate's still down. Yeah. Yeah. What was the ballpark loan amount? It was like a eight million dollar loan, something like that. I think it's uh, six just, in the sixes, somewhere in there. It was in the sixes and over seven when you added a half a million, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at like a 30% prepay. Yeah. Yeah. It got it it, it was uh it was hard to swallow there thinking two million dollars is going back to the bank. Right. <laughs> yep. Um, They're beautiful loans, except for that. You know, yeah. that they are great, but you know, it's based it was based on the T bill and the T bill was still down at that point. Yeah, sure. When the T bill started coming back up, that prepayment penalty went down and down and down until the time we sold. Yeah. We actually put it on the market in what January, December, January, January of 2023, Mike? Yeah, I think it was late 20. No, it was late 22. Yeah. It was in 23. And we got a, a number of offers, but by that point, uh, people buying were scared. Banks were scared. Right. And their offers did not come up to what, what we could accept. Uh, sure. At that point. Were you guys offering it as a loan assumption? Was that part of it? Just because you could have been in a rate? Yeah, yeah. We loan loan assumption was there. Yeah. They still, they'd have to raise 50%. Super low uh, leverage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, 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 you know, again, these are balancing things that people that are buying are looking at. Of course. Of course. And, and we, uh, so we, we refused all the offers at that point and then just kept going to let's, let's operate this thing well and keep it going. And one of the buyers came back to us about May, Mike, uh, right. last year, about May and, and came in with an offer that made sense, particularly when the, when we were looking at how far down the prepayment penalty had come at that point. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, kind of maddening sometimes and it's just part of the business but how much of this is just finance and financial engineering you know and it's it's tough because you got folks that are really working hard on site and putting in an honest day's work and improving things or maybe improving noi or improving the resident experience and like none of that matters right yep. It, yep. right next to what the fed's doing next to what the treasury's doing what your prepay's doing it just wipes out and, and sometimes the wind's at your back and and you get a boost of several million dollars that has nothing to do with what the team's doing. So that's just, that's the nature of the game. It's just kind of frustrating sometimes that a lot of this is just financial engineering at the end of the day. And I think the wind was at our back for yep. a number of years as we saw the cap rates go down, down, oh, absolutely. down. Absolutely. And that was bringing the property values up. And sure then when the interest rates started climbing, then that kind of took the wind out of the sales. Oh yeah. There's no question. There's no question. So, I mean, what a, what timing. Like, kudos to you guys for being able to get in right before COVID. Obviously, nobody saw that coming. <laughs> Ride it out and then exit in this, like, you know, four-decade high interest rate environment. Yeah. Uh, get a deal done full cycle. I mean, that, you guys need a, a, a medal or something for your entry and exit points. I, I think we're just blessed, Devin. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if there's another way to, expl to explain it. I agree. I agree. Uh, and it was, it was, yeah. I mean, getting, getting it under contract and then them working out the details. And again, on that back end there, the, 
are they actually going to close? They sure. delayed, they asked for extensions. Yep. Uh, they had some things to work out with the city on some things and they, uh, but they had the financing together and they were a bigger operation and, and they saw Tallahassee, they were buying other properties in Tallahassee at the same time. And they saw sure. this as part of their business plan. So. Did sense. they end up putting new debt on it? Did they, did they put new debt? Yeah. Or did yeah, they assume they, you guys loan? They did not assume the loan eventually. Okay. So. Well, good. So they, I mean, yeah, they pulled it off. So that's great. They had they had put their their numbers together, their financial backers together uh, early enough in this. They were buying a good number of properties around at that point. So sure. There is a lot of capital out there that wants to get invested. And they were yeah, especially wanting. now. I mean, it's been capital has been on the sidelines for almost a couple of years now. Yes. Yes. You know, big, big, big money. Um, be interesting to see what happens this year. You know, we're talking the end of January. Um, you know, who knows what's around the corner, but a lot of indicators, people think that we might see rate cuts this year. There's just people been holding their breath for so long. It'd be, mm -hmm. it's gonna be a very interesting year, right? Yes, it will. Very yes, interesting it will. year. One, one of the lessons that we learned in this, Devin, and we learned several, raise enough capital, yep. the lessons about property management, we by about the second year, we were looking at getting a third party. Sure. Um, a number of things there. But the one of the ones is just taking care of your investors. Yep. Being totally honest with them, not hiding things from them, even when it's tough. Right. And communicating regularly. I mean, that was just a key piece, I think, of this working for us. And, and for us, sleeping at night was knowing that we weren't hiding anything from our investors. So. Yeah. yeah. I was just yeah, I go ahead. No, go ahead. We, I think we were communicating with our investors about every month, you know, sending them a newsletter, hey, what's going on? And then, you know, let them know the financials, let them know where we're at. You know, I think that was periodically, but just keeping them informed of what was going on at the apartments. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, we're living it every day and that's one thing, but that, you know, that monthly email is like their only visibility into it. Right. So it's important. Right. That's and, and that's especially important when you're planning to turn a certain number of units and they expect you to reach some peak or some some milestone. They kind of want to know, you know, where you are with that. Right. <laughs> right. How far physically was the property from from each of you guys and your your other partner? Well, it depends on our other partner lives in a. Uh, a motor motorhome. Motor yeah. OK, nice. So he's all over the country. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. And, and, uh, but it, his home base is Tallahassee okay. uh, there. And we, we're about what, five, six hours away, Mike? Uh, maybe a little bit less. But, I mean, we can go, we can get there, visit the property, and be back in a day. Yeah, a long day. Sure. If I leave at seven in the morning, I can be home by eight o'clock at night. So, and we've stayed over as well. We, Mike and I did not have to go up as often as we thought early on um our third yeah, partner was there or had had the property management people there that were part of this team so yeah a but, lot of this is asset management and the you know managing the finances and so forth yes. yep but, but it was helpful to i mean when you're doing a lot of renovations at one time you want somebody with boots on the ground there seeing that renovation and then after that period it was nice just once in a while, just do some random drop-ins. 
you know, you don't always want the property manager to know when you're coming. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Um, I learned pretty quick when I get the question, are you the owner? No, no, that might, might be somebody else you're thinking about. And then uh, I had one property one time I was walking, the property manager didn't recognize me. Son was going down. She goes, oh, honey, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be here right now. I'm <laughs> guy wandering around the apartment. She's trying to shoot me out of there. Um, anyway, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, some, some random drop-ins are good, but uh, mostly kind of monitoring the, monitoring the KPIs, monitoring the progress oh, yeah. for those and then financial controls, you know, obviously important. Um, well, again, congratulations on on the, the timing and getting in and out of that deal. I'm sure investors and all the partners are happy. Did you guys do anything anything special to celebrate, or is it just kind of like go to work the next day? <laughs> the three of us had had lunch together and high fived and uh, and that. So we went to Tallahassee on after the close, and the three managing partners did that. We yeah, that's a good day. Uh, it was good. And then just one-on-one -on -one phone calls with all the investors as, sure. as it wrapped up too, and say, thank you for being a part of this. And, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so how about the rest of the portfolio and what you guys are looking to do, you know, kind of now you got your, your business established, you've got some valuable lessons behind you. Um, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, who knows what's around the corner for the economy and the market, but I'm hoping it's better than, the last three years of, of whiplash that we've all mm -hmm. seen with COVID and inflation and, and rate hikes. So, you know, maybe we've got a little better operating environment in front of us. I don't know. Uh, but what do you guys, what do you guys see with the existing portfolio and, and what do you, what do you want to do here in the, in the coming uh, year? We've been doing some looking, we've been making some offers and we're also working to raise capital again. Sure. So, yeah, the next one is probably going to be smaller because I think we are finding that there's some other financing available for smaller apartments Good. and they have less competition with some of the big operators. Right. So it's like, okay, where can we operate with the least competition where it's still going to be good and provide a good return for us and our investors? I like yeah, it. We, we found a, a mortgage broker that can get us a fixed 30 without a, without a balloon in it on uh Oh, the whole, the whole amortization, huh? Yeah. That'll work. Uh, a, little bit, a little bit higher rate and we got to run the numbers on it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's no fun when, when the, when the mortgage balloon hits and, and yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen. So. Yeah. That train's coming at you the stuck. further out. Yeah. It is the better, right? Yep. 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 So like we're looking, that. we're looking here in central Florida cause we know it. Uh, we live here. Uh, particularly our county, which is a growing part of this the Orlando, greater Orlando area. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we like Florida's uh, laws and landlord friendly. Yeah. Uh, we have, we have friends that are investing in other parts of the country and we continue to look to partner up with some of them. Perhaps uh, they're finding deals and making it work very well and being very successful with that. So again, it's relationships. Um, sure is. Yeah, sure is. But, but yes, we are looking. I mean, we'll consider other states. Some of our criteria, like Harlan said, first of all, we want to be in a landlord-friendly place, no doubt, but without the rent controls and other hassles that you can get. But we also like to be in a tax-friendly state. Yes. So we we like no income tax, <laughs> <laughs> which Florida has, right? No income tax. Yes. No, yes. no income tax. So yeah, you know, Florida, Tennessee, Texas are th the first three I think of. 
Yep, that's right. Now, now we might want to get out of Florida things. for insurance purposes, Mike, but that's another issue. So that's <laughs> <And> right. <laughs> same along the coast in Texas too. So yeah, Houston's just. Be, I mean, we've been seeing it in San Antonio too, but he, some of the Houston deals are like uninsurable. Yeah. And so it's definitely a definitely a factor. Well, I'd like to get you thought you guys' thoughts. I kind of you know we can wrap up here and thank you very much for for sharing your story. But I want to get your thoughts kind of for two groups. You know, one is. What do you say now that you've been all through this, you've had a lot of investor uh, interactions. What do you say to that prospective investor that's looking to kind of get in this game as a, as a limited partner, right? Not not doing what you guys are doing, but maybe put some capital to work um, and they're exploring that for the first time. What do you say to them? Mike? Sure, I'll take it. Uh, this might be a little long-winded, but when I was at Georgia Rhea, one of the things I would do is teach the new investor orientation. Nice. And one of the things we would teach people is look to your right and your left. In 12 months, only one of you is going to be here. There's a lot of people that do not want to put the effort into real estate. That doesn't mean it's a bad investment. It just means they don't want to do the work. But multifamily investing as a limited partner is a great way to take advantage of the benefits of real estate without having to... Uh, get involved doing the hard work of managing the property and dealing with the tenants in the toilets. So I absolutely love multifamily for that purpose. And then when you're dealing with syndications, you're talking about a partnership that is already in compliance with SEC regulations. So you have some protection there. Right. Yeah. Very well said. I love it. Yeah. We're, we're really concerned about younger investors, uh, learning about multifamily earlier you you learned about it relatively early uh, mike and i learned about it to a degree early and, and to take action on it as early as they can and passive investing is a great way to do it when you have a career and family and uh find a way to get in um, as early as you can and, and learn it as a passive investor with uh, an operator that you you trust know like trust those those three always so yeah, I think that's a great point. We always advocate. Um, I mean, there's there's lots of ways to learn this business. Always advocating education, but it is nice to kind of get a ticket on the plane and just be along for the ride. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a, that's a really really good on ramp without biting off too much. Running these things is work. You guys know, yes. <laughs> and nobody's gonna nobody's gonna say otherwise. I hope on the GP side. Um, but but yeah, a lot of advantages to kind of getting getting into the game um, and a great kind of first step towards learning the business. So I appreciate that feedback. I want to ask you kind of the same question, but for, you know, a prospective operator yes. where, you know, you've got that person that's got, I mean, you really got to have checks and boxes in life to, to go do this financially. And you have some experience, you have managed large projects or a lot of capital, but for the person that's done those things and is, is ready to consider going out and being an operator on the, you know, GP side, um, what do you what do you guys pass along to that person? Strengths. I mean, identify strengths that you have and weaknesses, uh, and balance those out with others. I mean, we're we're we like partnerships. Uh, again, relationships are important. You can do it alone. Uh, many people do, but they really don't do it alone. They they compensate for their weaknesses somehow in that. So that would be one is just do that personal assessment. Where am I really good? And then what can I offer if I was to get in with somebody that maybe knows it and 
I can learn it quicker if I get with somebody that knows it. I mean, that, that was our story. We like that story. I love it. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and another part is go ahead and invest in several other partnerships as a passive investor first. Or even if I mean, maybe you have a limited role, but learn what the other syndicators are doing. See how they operate. See what you like. See what you don't like. See how you like being treated as a limited partner. What information would are you getting? Uh, would you like to see more? Would you like to see less? But take what you learn from those other partnerships and apply that when you're ready to take the reins. I love it. Words of wisdom there for sure. I completely agree with all that. Uh, Harlan, Mike, thank you gentlemen for your time. I wish you guys continued success. If somebody listening wants to reach out and connect and get in your world, where do we send them? Attuneinvestments.com, A-T-T-U-N-E, investments.com, one word. And we have a, a kind of an ebook on there about what three important steps preparing for retirement that uh, we think is important. We have kids that are coming up through, they need to get ready um, and, and also can sign up. We, we write something every week in a blog and send that out to several hundred people so they could get, get that so they can keep, keep being informed. So tuneinvestments.com. Outstanding. We'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, you just scroll through to the description and click through to that website. Uh, gentlemen, Thank you very much. I've enjoyed getting to know you. Love the story. So, so many parallels and so many similar things <laughs> we've been through with our company. So always good to, to talk shop and um, here's to a, 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 a prosperous and productive 2024. Wish you guys the best. Absolutely for you as well. And everybody that's listening, uh, have a, have a wonderful year, even a grateful year. Bye-bye. Outstanding. Right. Thank you, Devin. Take care, gentlemen. We'll see you. You too. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.